G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Has there ever been a better picture where anti-Christian government and anti-Christian religion joins together than Islam? Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll continue Christianity and Islam. Pastor Jeff asks some interesting questions of moderate Muslims about speaking out against the extremist threat of violence made to Christians or anyone who chooses to believe in something else. Inherent in the Quran is the idea of taking and conquering the world for Allah and smiting the Jews, the Christians, the evildoers, the pagans. This is Today with Jeff Vines and the continuation of Christianity and Islam. I'm concerned by this stuff that flows out of the extremists within the Islamic community. Let me say again, because every time I preach a sermon like this, I guarantee somebody from the media is in this room. Okay? Hear me again. Not every person who follows Islam is violent. That's ridiculous. In the same way, not everyone who follows Christ is nonviolent. However, when a Christ follower picks up the sword to slay, he does so in direct disobedience to Jesus. But when someone who follows religiously the Quran and Islam, and just like there are many nominal Christians, there are many nominal Muslims. But the reason so many pick up the sword is because inherent in the Quran is the idea of taking and conquering the world for Allah and smiting the Jews, the Christians, the evildoers, the pagans. What's your point, Jeff? Last week we talked about that in Revelation, we met the beast of the sea who is anti-God governments, anti-Christian governments who will blaspheme the throne of God, blaspheme the people of God and try to de-deify Christ. And now all of a sudden we have another vision. We see this guy He looks like a good guy. It's a lamb with two horns. And we said two represents what? The people of God, the church of God. But yet, when he speaks, he speaks like a dragon. This is the ultimate metaphor of counterfeit. It looks good, smells good, but when it talks, it's from the evil one. Folks, even the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11, 14, that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And now all of a sudden we're told... That during the age of the church, anti-Christian governments is going to form an allegiance with anti-Christ religions. And they are going to combine to rule and to blaspheme the throne or usurp the authority of God to blaspheme his Christ and to persecute the people of God. That's been happening since John's day in the days of Rome. This is not something new. The allegiance in John's day was quite uncanny. Do you know that the pagan priests partnered with the Roman authorities and demanded that they erect statues in every district to the Roman emperors and that worship 
occur. As a matter of fact, you carried a little piece of paper in proof that you had worshipped the emperor. And they would go to great lengths, even ventriloquism. They would build the statues hollow so that little men could crawl inside and appear to make the statue speak. It gives the illusion of the miraculous coming to life. Every world government has known the power. If it can join with religion, it can rule the people. Hitler did it. Stalin did it. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar did it back in the Old Testament when he sent everybody out to the plain of Dura and erected a 90-foot statue, feet statue and said, okay, you can worship your gods as long as you also worship this god. Nebuchadnezzar was sharp. He knew that the only way to unify a people he had conquered is with religious means. And so the Bible tells us, now we understand verse 14 of Revelation 13. Because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. We said last week that every time you think an anti-Christian government has been defeated, it won't be very long till one will rise and take its place. It may appear to be dead, but will always rise from the dead. And in verse 15, the second beast was given power to give breath. In other words, this beast, because of its allegiance to the Governments and antichrist authorities will appear to give life. And I can't help but to think of what John would have thought about when those little guys crawled in the statues and appeared to make them speak. And actually it says, so that the image could speak and cause all those who refused to worship the image to be killed. John knew what he was seeing. But this vision goes one step further. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. And now we know who the beast is. We already have been told that the beast of the sea and the beast of the earth are empowered by the dragon who represents Satan. And now we're told that those who worship him will have their name, his name, 666 on the forehead and the wrist. As soon as John saw that, please folks, it's not the visa card. It's not some stamp you're going to get in your wrist someday. The Bible is very, this imagery is very clear. John's mind would have gone back to the phylacteries of the Old Testament And in the phylacteries, you taped Bible passages on your wrist and on your forehead as a symbol, as a symbol that what you did and what you thought was consistent with the word and the power of God. So now John is being told there's going to come a day when these two join an allegiance and that the people who live under them will do the deeds of the beast and think the thoughts of the beast. And that's why last week I said, wake up. Wake up. You are in a world system that is flowing away from Christ, not toward him. And if you're not careful, you'll start thinking like everybody else does in the world system. And you'll find yourself not doing the deeds and thinking the thoughts of God. But you will rationalize your behavior. And when somebody tries to hold you accountable, you'll get defensive. And one day you'll wake up. You're not doing the works of God and thinking the thoughts of God. You're doing anything but that. And that is the system in which we live. And then the Bible says in verse 18, this calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, the number 666. (laughs) The number seven represents the perfection, the completion, and the number 10 with God. 666 is man's number. It's man's effort stopping short of God. It's John's way of having this vision to tell us that although the Antichrist governments and authorities and the Antichrist religions will be powerful and effective, in the end, they will lose because it's man's effort to usurp God and he will have the last say. Now, the reason I take you through this is because, think about it. Has there ever been a better picture of where anti-Christian government and anti-Christian religion joins together 
in human history than Islam. Think about it. Government and law come together under Sharia law, which means path in Arabic. The Sharia law is infamous for the unequal treatment of women and inheritance, dress, and independence. Sex outside of marriage or drinking alcohol can result in flogging, stoning, amputation, exile, or execution under Sharia law. The UN says there are thousands of women who are killed every year in the name of family honor. There's a 2013 Pew poll conducted in 39 countries that found strong support within those countries for these Islamic policies of amputation, stoning, death, for such things as theft, adultery, and conversion to Christianity. Folks, I love you, but we got to talk. You're a Christ follower, right? Okay, now, so you're proud to wear the name. Now, if you're here and you're not a Christ follower and you're just kind of, okay, what is this? First of all, know that I don't preach like this every weekend. This is, this is just, actually, that's kind of a lie, isn't it? I do preach like this every weekend, but I... I, I don't mean to, I, my, my philosophy is not to attack other worldviews because when you do, you, you throw a lot of mud and you lose a lot of ground. But there are times when I try to wake us up a little bit here uh, because I think we have our head in the sand on this. But you do realize what I'm saying, right? <laughs> what I am telling you is that if you're a Christ follower, that means a few things. And these aren't up for debate, come on. If you're a Christ follower, it means that you truly do believe that salvation is by grace through faith alone. You really do believe that without Jesus Christ, we are lost in our sins, separated from God. And so if you don't believe that, can I just tell you, you can say what you want, but you're not a Christ follower. A Christ follower believes the words of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to the Father except through me. And why does he say that? He says that because nobody else died for your sin. Now, here's what happens in our world. Uh, this dude right here has created some other gospels. My favorite to hate is called the gospel of sincerity. And this is the gospel that says, you know what? As long as a person is sincere, they'll get to heaven. Now, first of all, if you believe that you've made yourself God, now you become the authority and you say what God should do. You won't find that anywhere in the scripture. In fact, you won't find that in any religion at all. And think about it. Do you really mean that? Do you really mean that as long as... Okay, let me give you some sincere people. Jim Jones was pretty sincere. Charles Manson was very sincere. Thomas McVeigh or Timothy McVeigh, very sincere. David Koresh, very sincere. Hitler, extremely sincere. Stalin, very sincere. You say, well, okay, everybody but those guys. Well, wait a minute. So now you're the authority and you get to draw the line. You see, you see the looniness of that? As long as you're sincere. I've met some pretty weird people in my life that were very sincere. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. It's the conclusion of Pastor Jeff's discussion on Christianity and Islam. The Apostle Paul in Romans 8 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. There are two ways to be righteous. Keep the law perfectly or pay the penalty for breaking it. Nobody can keep it perfectly. I'm a sinner and so are you and so is everybody else. I don't care how good you think you are. You're a sinner. But Jesus came... To help us with the second way to be righteous, that is pay the penalty for our sin. The wages of sin is death, 
It's not God's fault that we severely overestimate our goodness and severely underestimate his holiness. If you're going to try to be morally good to reach God, good luck with that. Jesus says no man or woman can do it, but praise be to God. God sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross. And now when God sees me, he sees me as righteous, not because I'm perfect, but because Jesus paid the penalty. He lost his own son so he wouldn't lose me. That's the gospel. Now you do realize, you do realize that Islam teaches very clearly this. That there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. Do you understand? It debunks and de-deifies Christ. That's the thing you will have in common with every religion other than Christianity. Somewhere along the line, they will de-deify Christ. They will say, good man, good principles, good example to follow, sincere dude. But they will tell you categorically, the son of God, Emmanuel, God in the flesh to die for the sins of the world. I don't think so. As a matter of fact, in one of my discussions with someone in Islam in New Zealand, I asked this simple question. Is Jesus a prophet? Oh, he's a prophet. Not greater than Muhammad, but he's a prophet. Now, I find that interesting because even the Quran says that Jesus was virgin born. And that Muhammad did no miracles. I let that go and I said, is Jesus a prophet? Yes. Can a prophet lie? Absolutely not. Well, you've got a problem now. Because Jesus said in John 8, Verily I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Dude. I mean, you know what Jesus is saying, right? He's saying, Abraham's cool, but to tell you the truth, guys, before Abraham was even born, I was with God in heaven. The Bible says that Jesus was part of the created order. He created things. Not part of the created order, but he was responsible for creation. And the Jews understood what he said because what was their response? The next verse says they picked up stones to stone him. Man, if you claim to be around before Abraham, you better be able to back it up. And he did. With his death and his burial and his resurrection, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Without being too sarcastic, what don't you get about that? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. Oh, you want to go back to the gospel of sincerity again, but what about sincere people? Your job is to present the good news of the gospel to the world. God will be the final judge, and I definitely don't want to be that, but I can tell you this. You've got a problem when you start saying that there are other ways to God. Your biggest problem is this. You make Christ to be a liar, and you make God to be a masochist. Because if there are other ways to God than Christ, we don't need the atonement, and why in heaven's name would God punish his own son if it's not necessary? See what I'm saying? According to the Bible, God punished Jesus. The wrath of God went on Jesus so it would not go on us. Dude, wouldn't you want to say, God, if there's another way, why would you do this? And Jesus said, not one jot or tittle of prophecy would pass away until it's been fulfilled. And all through the Old Testament, the sacrifice is coming. The lamb is coming. Behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Do you realize this is the centerpiece of Christianity that Islam denies? When people tell me, well, all religions are fundamentally the same. They're just superficially different. I know. I'm sorry, but you're, you're just not intelligent in this. Because the reality is religions are fundamentally different, only superficially similar. And unless we're living in a big loony bin, there's no way you can tell me Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, the atonement for our sin we are saved by and through his name. And then another religion say, Jesus is not the son of God. He is not the Christ. As a matter of fact, 
Do you know that Islam claims that Jesus did not die? They're the only worldview I know that says Jesus did not die on the cross under the Romans. And the reason they say is because Allah would never allow one of his prophets to die that way. If you take away that death, you take away the atonement. If you take away the atonement, you take away the resurrection. You take away the resurrection, we are a pitiful people. And John said clearly in 1 John 2, 22, who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Listen to this next part very carefully. Antichrist religions and antichrist governments will exist forever until the return of Christ. This is the power behind the throne. And if the Bible story is true, that Satan's main goal is to take allegiance away from God and put it onto something else, wouldn't you say he's pretty clever in what he's done in Islam? Made it appear to be good, but when it opens its mouth, it speaks like a dragon because it says Jesus is not the Christ, the son of the living God. And he is not the one who gave atonement for the sins of the world. If you're in the media and you're in this room, would you hear this next statement? Tolerance is a value by Christians. I definitely believe you should be able to live in this country and no matter what you believe, not have fear of persecution. The same cannot be said in Islamic states. So my question is, why in America would we want to close the door to a religion of tolerance and open it to one that we know has a history of intolerance? Well, I don't get it. Am I saying that every Christian is tolerant? No. Just as I say that every Islam is not intolerant. But there is a history. (laughs) You believe in Jesus. There is one who has set up false religious systems. And you've got to be careful. Wake up. Tolerance is the idea that every idea gets an equal hearing. Tolerance, every idea gets an equal hearing without fear of persecution. It is not every idea is equally valid and true. Tolerance does not mean that I say, oh yeah, we're all on the same page. No, tolerance means that everybody gets a fair hearing without fear of persecution. It does not mean that every idea is equally valid or true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you see what I'm saying? Guys, does this look pro-Jesus? Yes, Jesus is a good guy. Does it speak like the Antichrist by John's definition? Yes, it does. Does it look counterfeit? Yes, it does. Does it trample on the people of God? Yes, it does. Does it blaspheme the name of God? Yahweh, yes, it does. Does it blaspheme the throne of God? Yes, it says Jesus is not at the right hand of the Father. Does it persecute the people of God? Yes, it does. Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God, says 1 John 4. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You're a Christian, Christ follower. And if you are, you believe that salvation comes to the name of Jesus and Jesus alone because only he died for your sins. Nothing else puts you in a right relationship with God the Father. Number two, you love people. You love all people. 
If you're a person that's going to take this information I gave you and get the CD and you're going to go out armed with it and you're going to become militant and angry and you're just going to be rude, do me one favor. Take the CCV bumper sticker off the back of your car. (laughs) Love all people. You can have friends that you debate and you talk. Even Apostle Paul said, come, let us reason together. Let's talk. When you get angry and mad because somebody doesn't agree with you, man, you're not like Christ. Dignity, respect. As a matter of fact, the only time that Jesus really got mad was with religious, pious people. Right? Okay, not the only time. There was the John the Baptist thing. Okay, fine. (laughs) And third and finally, you believe in Christ, you love all people, and you believe the word of God is your ultimate authority. My concern is this. People say to me, Pastor Jeff, I know the Bible says God loves all people, and I love the Bible. They'll say, I love the Bible, Pastor Jeff. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I love the Galatian passage. There's neither male nor female. We are all equal in essence in the sight of God. I love those passages, but do you also know the Bible says that those who commit sexual immorality will not be in the kingdom of God? And you say, that's archaic. That's archaic. See, you know what you've done? Now you've become the God of God and you're the author of the Bible. You're deciding what should be in there and what should not. No, 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 no. If you're a Christ follower, this is your authority. And if Jesus says that sex is between a man and a woman in the concept of marriage. In fact, the Greek word pornea is the word translated sexual immorality throughout the New Testament. It's a very clear word. It means any sexual intimacy or relationship outside of marriage between a man and a woman. You don't get to choose whether you agree with that or not. You're a Christ follower. So which are you? Man, wake up. You better wake up. Jesus is your Lord and master, not the world system. Follow him. And the Bible says, blessed is he or she who perseveres for theirs is the crown of life. Father, I want to thank you and praise you for your name, for your goodness. And I pray that our eyes would have been open. And that we would begin to understand that as we love all people, we engage in dialogue. And as we do, hopefully those far from God would come near. That we treat people with dignity and respect, while at the same time, standing against blasphemy of our Savior. And knowing that he has provided the way. And that there will always be systems and philosophies that try to de-deify and debunk Jesus and the atonement. May we survive and endure till the end under the name of Jesus that we might be saved. In his name, amen. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That was the conclusion of Christianity and Islam. For more resources and information, head to our website, vision.org.au. If you search for Jeff Vines, you can listen to today's message again or find other information from Pastor Jeff. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.